Welcome to Family Life Today, presented in cooperation with this station by Power to Change. We hope today's program will give you something to reflect on and to encourage you in your relationships. Our hosts are Dave and Ann Wilson. So one of the most anxious moments of my life, you remember? You know uh, where I'm yeah, going to go? I totally know where I uh, had pneumonia, go back after antibiotics to get another check sex ray just to make sure it's all clear. And the doctor, who's just an MD, says to me, uh, you need to go see a pulmonary specialist. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Mm. He goes, just give this guy a call. So I call this guy, and they get me in like the next day. Mm. And I drive in there, and I'll never forget, I'm sitting on a doctor's table, and he pulls up my x-ray, and he goes, hey, uh, this isn't good news. You've got cancer. I go, what? He goes, there's spots all through your lungs. I don't know if it's malignant. And I never forget, I looked at him, and I go, I don't have cancer. He goes, oh, really? <laughs> and I'm like, I feel great. You know, I'm playing basketball full court. I- I'm in great shape. He goes, well, I'm the doctor, and you're the patient, and <laughs> trust me. You have some form of cancer we need to find out. You need to drive home, talk to your wife, and make a decision. Mm. And as soon as I stepped in the door and saw Ann, I just started crying. I grabbed you. Yeah. We fell in our little lazy boy chair, and when you just started crying with me, and then I'll never forget. I you was go, sitting on your lap, and it's unusual for you to cry like that. Do you remember the moment, though, you go, uh, so what are we crying about? Mm. And I go, he just said I have cancer. And you're like, oh! We start crying like double. Um. But to live with that kind of anxiety... I mean, here I am, and it was only a couple of weeks, is what a lot of people live with daily. Yeah, and right. I think, Dave, too, I think back then, life seemed a little simpler, even though that diagnosis, what they were saying, was so traumatic. I'm thinking of the days we're living in now, Oh yeah, where so many have lost loved ones through the pandemic. Mm. You know, there's wars, there's rumors of wars, there's so many things going on, and our kids are suffering with this, with anxiety, depression. We as parents are struggling with that, and so it's something I think we really need help with. Yeah, I mean, everybody's looking for peace. Right. And so we've got Dr. Jeremiah Johnston in the Family Life studio today. Welcome to Family Life Today. Dave and Ann, it's so great to be with you. I feel like we're fast friends already. I do, too. You're sitting over there, hmm. uh, (laughs) I mean, as you hear that story, what are you thinking? You know what? I'm just, my heart goes out to you because we've all had those moments Mm -hmm. where we have to go beyond the bumper sticker theology, Mm -hmm. and it's rubber meets the road Christianity where, Lord, are you really there? Yeah. And you pray those prayers like Hezekiah prayed and others. And like I'm thinking about even Habakkuk right now. God, are you dead? Are you, you know, we all pray way too religiously, by the way. And so (laughs) we need to pray like the prophets and the psalmist prayed. Lord, are you really there in this moment? And that's the great thing for people listening to us right now. That's why Christianity is true. It meets us at our deepest, darkest moments and our most intense battles, our most intense questions. And so that's why I wanted to write a book on Shalom, on how we can experience the peace, the Shalom of God, because we talk about it a lot, and yet it seems so elusive, especially in those defining moments. Yeah, and so you travel around the country. You're president of Christian Thinkers. There's more letters behind your name than anyway. <laughs> yes. Doctor, But you really help people answer the tough questions, and you're down here in Orlando with your wife and five kids. That's right. So yeah. You're probably exhausted right now. You got triplet boys. We have triplets. So I'm all you need to know about me. I'm the overstressed father of multiples. I haven't <laughs> slept in six years because the triplets are almost six. So, but no, it's it's a blessing to answer these questions because in my mind, for me, it's all about being a follower of Jesus. And if everything I say is true about the Bible and the scriptures and Jesus, our Savior and God, the God of the Bible, He can take our most difficult questions and. 
What's been amazing, Dave and Ann, and I've been doing this now for a minute. I've received thousands of questions. So we started Christian Thinkers over a decade ago, 12 years. We've been taking questions from people, Hmm. all different denominations, not just in the United States, in Canada and the United Kingdom as well. This is my number one question from believers. Uh, The whole question of anxiety, depression, mental illness, mental pain, as C.S. Lewis called it. He struggled Mm -hmm. with it. J.B. Phillips struggled with it. And as a church, we have not done a good enough job answering this question. The Bible has so much to say about how we think and about what we feel and how we can process emotions. And I just wanted to get beyond the bumper sticker theology. And also, I've experienced newsflash anxiety in my own life. Mm. We all have. Anxiety isn't dangerous. And I had heard some stuff, even from pulpits, that I would basically equate to spiritual malpractice about not really ministering and helping people with what the Bible actually says. You're not a second-rate Christian if you've struggled with depression or anxiety. Medicine is a gift from God. We need to establish a peace plan for our lives. And so, as a PhD, I know a lot about a little, Dave, okay? So that's, that's <laughs> what I tell. I know a lot about a little. The little I happen to know a lot about is the gospel and Jesus, and and so Jesus lived in the shalom of God. Mm. He is shalom personified. We can't really understand the Christian life if we don't understand the one word that is the greatest descriptor of the Bible. And there's 760,000 words in the English Bible. And if you were to ask me, like, if we're never going to see each other at a train station someday, Jeremiah, describe the Bible to me in one word. It's the word shalom. And I wanted to investigate that as a gospel scholar. And then I wanted to introduce or reintroduce believers in Jesus Christ to this term because it's so elusive. And yet, as Christians, we need to live in a theology of shalom every day for those anxious moments like you described. Yeah, and I, you know, I've been preaching for 30 years. I don't think I could tell you the understanding of, the, of that word. Right. So let's go. Absolutely. Let's dive in. And, and you're not alone. I was there, too. And so it literally means to lack nothing in the Hebrew language. And so we have this tension that we can receive a diagnosis or you can have an unexplained medical condition or be dealing with grief or loss. And yet it's the tension that I can still live in the shalom and the peace of God. You know, we often think of the Apostle Paul. Okay, he saw the Lord, we think, at least seven times. He heard the voice of Jesus in 2 Corinthians 12, his very audible words, okay? And yet Paul was still a professional warrior. He's a professional warrior because in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, literally verse 13, he's in Troas. God has opened this huge door of ministry for him, and yet he says, I have no peace of mind. Have you been there? I've been there. <laughs> Lord, you've opened this incredible door for me, and yet I have no peace of mind. Seven years later, he's in Philippi in a jail cell. You couldn't say that he had this great door open to him. And yet he gives us the greatest anti-anxiety passage in all the Bible, Philippians 4, be anxious for nothing. He summarizes shalom in 32 English words in Philippians 4, 8. Mm. So I want to let people know, too, transformation's a process. So first off, it is God's will for you to live in shalom. I don't have to question that. If you love Jesus, if you have peace with God through Jesus Christ, that's the first step, Romans 5, 1, then it is time to experience the God of peace. But that's where my book was needed, Dave and Ann, because it's like, okay, I get it. Now, how do I get to the peace? I know I'm a Christian. I know I follow Jesus as my Savior. I have peace with God through Jesus Christ, being justified by faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. But there wasn't a roadmap for me of how to build peace in my life. And that's where I wanted to investigate Shalom and help people get there. Well, Jeremiah, I feel like we know in our heads that the Bible says 
he will give us peace. We can experience that. But for you, what did that look like? You know what the scripture says, but then how did you start living it out? I'm guessing that's your plan. Absolutely. I realize that hope comes when I have a plan. Hmm. The peace of God will always come when I have a plan. And what's amazing, Dave and Ann, is I've sat across from business people, highly successful. They can tell you their retirement accounts, their stock accounts, they have financial plans, but they don't have the peace plan. And that is the great revival and the outcome that is coming out of this book is people are reading it in their email. I mean, they're saying, Jeremiah, I've just established a peace plan for my life. First, I have to understand biblically I can live in the shalom of God. God wants me to flourish. He wants me to lack nothing. Secondly, I realized Paul and others struggled with anxiety that debilitated them, so I'm not alone. Thirdly, I have to plan for the peace of God. And then I wanted to help people with the very practical steps of what it looks like to live in the peace of God every single day. And so the first step seems so elemental, and yet it is probably the hardest. You have to start intentionally planning for peace in your life. So I'm going to say no to certain things for the bigger yes of God's peace in my life. And so, you know, this whole thing of unlocking the peace of God in our life through intentionally planning on it and then also equipping believers with how we can then be agents of peace. And one of the most important questions we can also ask ourselves, am I bringing conflict or am I bringing peace in my mm-hmm. community? You know, Matthew five nineteen, Jesus said, blessed are the shalom makers, the peacemakers. And so even writing a book on peace, I'd ask myself, Lord, am I bringing conflict or peace in my family? And again, it's amazing how the world, you know, as I evaluate, like you said, the world today, wars, rumors of wars, so much turmoil. It reminds me of the prophets Jeremiah and Ezekiel. They said, you look for peace when there is no peace. Mm. You know, the world has a prescription for peace that will absolutely destroy our lives. Jesus has this prescription for peace in our lives that enriches it, and it's called shalom. And so we have to get there. And so that's the beauty of this book, and I think that's why God is blessing it. You seem to land a lot on thinking. Mm-hmm. I've even watched you walk through Philippians 4, 6, and 7, mm. which, you know, as a pastor, I've preached yeah. that uh, many times. It's probably one of the verses we all memorize because Absolutely. we need yeah. it so much, and it, it's so practical. Right. Yeah. But what you did I'd never seen done is it's so easy to go Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Mm-hmm. You know, don't worry about anything, but yep. everything by prayer and petition. Let your request be mm-hmm. made known. And the peace of God and end there. Yep, right. Which I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. But you then went to verse 8 where it talks about the mind. Right. And connected what we think about to the peace we experience. Help us understand Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Again, this is where it's so fun. And the scriptures help us answer these difficult questions, Dave. And thank you for asking such great questions, both of you. So, The peace of God, according to the Christian life, according to Shalom, is anchored by one word, thinking. It's an action word. It's a verb. It's logizomai. It's taking into account all that is mine in Christ. The more I make myself aware of my beliefs, the more peace of God I'm going to have in my life. The more I'm aware of who God is, his plan for my life. And his plan is to bless me. His plan is the four spiritual laws, say right over here near this (laughs) building. He has a great plan for my life living. Now, that doesn't mean it's perfection. And by the way, perfection is not our goal. Freedom is. God wants to give us freedom. Shalom, an adjective I have for shalom is freedom. God wants to bring us freedom. But it is all anchored in thinking. I mentioned Philippians 4, 8 a minute ago. Depending on which English version, it's around 32 words or 39. There's only one verb, and it's thinking. Hmm. 
Hmm. Our peace will come when we think about certain things. And so as a believer in Jesus Christ, I have to get really good at mental discipline if I'm going to live in the peace of God, because today we're going to touch our phones 2000 times. We're going to see 10,000 media messages every single day. So many of them are full of lies and we have to be truth tellers to ourselves. We have to speak truth to ourselves. The worst thing I can do, according to Psalm 42 and 43, is listen to my heart. My heart's desperately wicked and crazy. Who can know it? I have to speak truth to my heart like the psalmist did in Psalm 42 and 43. Why are you downcast, my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Take hope in God. So, you know, every day, like Jerry Bridges said, we need to preach the gospel to ourselves. We need to remind ourselves of the truth of God's word to get through the fiction of all the lies. But, you know, again, you all do this all the time. You do this at an international level. You know how many Christians are just so bogged down and they're paralyzed by the lies. Now, here's the thing. I can't help the crazy thoughts that come in my head. We'll have 6,000 thoughts today. That's what psychologists say. Sometimes I feel like I have (laughs) 60,000. And so many of them are called intrusive thoughts. Mm -hmm. And the greatest thing you can do is just like a drunk guy in the corner screaming his head off at people who don't even know what he's doing is ignore them. When you want to start engaging with the crazy intrusive thoughts that come in your head, it's like poking an ant pile. It just gets worse. You just you get a swarm of them on top of one. And so, um, you know, I don't call out to them. I don't I don't even gauge them. I just stay focused on the truth. And so living in the peace of God for me is about bolting my life to truth, staying focused on the truth, practicing what you said, replacement therapy, replacing these lies for the truth of God and the truth of his word. And then also, this is huge. At the end of the day, when we get those calls, Dave, or those appointments like you had, because I had a totally unplanned medical procedure myself recently, we have to live by faith in God's promises, not his explanations. So many of us, we want an explanation when God wants us to live on the promise. Okay, you got to unpack that a little bit. Oh, it's so hard to do, too. It is. And listen, I'm not speaking from perfection. I am speaking, though, from experience that no one faithed explanations in the Bible. They all faithed God's promises. Habakkuk asked God for an explanation. When you read the 56 verses of the book of Habakkuk, we really get a window into his prayer journal. And he says, God, give me an answer. You know, God, are you alive? Are you dead, God? God says, if I told you what I was doing, you couldn't even handle it, Habakkuk. Mm. Habakkuk asked God again to give him the reason why all this is happening. And God just starts to explain and Habakkuk passes out. (laughs) And then chapter three, Habakkuk gives us the greatest visual picture of what faith looks like. In Habakkuk chapter 3, even though the barns are empty, even though there's no cows in the hills, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to faith your promises, not your explanations, because we don't live on explanations. You lived on the promise you'd be healed. You lived on the promise, you know, they probably couldn't explain to you exactly why and where and how cancer happened in your life, but you lived on the promise that it was going to be taken care of. And that's what God wants us to do. And the really cool thing is, and I love this, there's 7,487 promises in God's word. Mm. Now, there's 3,200 questions, which I love. Mm. I love the fact that we have two promises for every question in the Bible. God wants us to ask those questions, but listen, he wants us to live in the promises. So how do we think our way out of the anxiety? Because, yeah. you know, I think I've done this. I'm guessing everybody's late in bed at night. Mm-hmm. You wake up at 2 or 3 in the morning. Right. You have a feeling of dread. thoughts start going, whether it's a bank account number. Wait, do you do this? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I feel like you're just snoozing away over there. I do this. I mean, we all do this. you got to be kidding me. You don't do it very often. I mean, I don't roll around and wake her up, but, uh, you know, 
last 18 months or so, I went through succession after 30 years of uh, helping lead our church. Mm. There were all kinds of anxious thought about right. the future, about, you know, financially, everything. It was hard right. to take every thought captive, Second Corinthians 10. Absolutely. You know, I knew it. Yes. But you're right. I had to rest in. Mm-hmm. Shalom came when I said, you're with me. You've got me. Right. I don't need to be nervous or anxious about it. I can trust you. Is that how simple it is? Because then it would come back in five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds simple. It's actually profound mm-hmm. when you can, and when a believer can get to that place and say, Lord, I'm going to leave it in your hands. I'm going to trust you. And this is why I needed an entire chapter to unpack why, what do I do when I can't feel my faith. Yeah. yeah. Because so many of us, we want to feel our way out of our problems as Christians. That's the absolute worst place you can go is to try to feel your way out of a crisis. You have to think your way out of a crisis or think your way out of a challenge or a problem. That's what the Bible wants us to do. The scriptures to experience shalom want us to focus on key truths every single day at every single moment. And sometimes, you know, we need to learn to believe the God we trust in. I mean, we need to mm-hmm. learn to believe him and we need to learn to live in that trust. And it's hard to do. But once you do that and you start experiencing that peace, that shalom, it gets easier and it gets easier to do that. And mm-hmm. so, again, it's everything, though, that the world doesn't want us to do. The world wants us to lose our mind. The world wants us to self-medicate, binge, not focus, check out, not be present. The scriptures wants us to do the exact opposite in all those categories and something that i want us to all prayerfully get to as well is how do we can be more sensitive to all the people in our lives who are struggling with anxiety and depression and i have an entire chapter dedicated to what it looks like to practice the ministry of presence Mm. which is such an important crucial key for all of us you know the bar has been put down so low especially in this post-pandemic world that If we just won't be a jerk, people are going to know we're a Christian, (laughs) but we have this great opportunity to practice the ministry of presence with people, and there's ways that we can do that as well. Give us some practical steps that we can take. We're listening to this. We're all tracking. Mm -hmm. Like, now what does it look like? Even today, how can I start this process? Here's a very important question I'd ask myself, Ann, because if we would see lives change, our life first must be changed, and my life has been changed by the shalom of God. I'm living in the center of God's will for my life. I have challenges like everyone, but I have never been more excited about what God is doing in my life than I am right now. And I had to go through a deep valley to get here the last two years where I had to really decide if I believed in the shalom of God or not in the peace of God through the faith steps that Audrey and I were feeling led to take. And the most important question that we can answer is who is helping us manage the anxiety, the uncertainty, and the stress in our life? So what I would like to ask people to prayerfully consider, will you live in the shalom of God? And secondly, will you bring a care team around yourself? The Christian life has always been lived in community. And as Christian leaders, too much we can get isolated, and that's when the challenges come. And I have an established care team around me that has been transformational for my life. And I want to encourage everyone listening to me to right now begin writing down names of people That could be your care team. That needs to be your medical doctor. That should be a nutritionist. It should be a Christian counselor, a therapist, or psychologist, or psychiatrist. And, you know, we could go off on this, but, you know, all these Christian counselors, you can't even hardly get an appointment right now, which is a great thing, but we need more people to go into Christian counseling and Christian therapy ministries because it's so needed. Mm. And so a great outcome of this book is, and again, living in the shalom of God, is establishing a care team for your life knowing that you don't have to live the Christian life alone. It's not meant to be lived that way. 
But, you know, you say, well, Christians don't gossip. They just share prayer requests. You know, <laughs> again, there's so much stigma that just ignore all the Pharisees. Move forward in the peace of God in your life and then watch the shalom, the flourishing, that lacking nothing sense that God will bring into your life. Yeah, and I would add, if you're a man, you need a brother. Amen. If you're a woman, you need a sister. Yes. That when you're anxious and you're waking up at two and you're not going back to sleep, you can be honest and say, dude, I'm struggling. Yes. I'm struggling with finding shalom. They will help become your buddy, become your sister. Just walk beside you and say, let's both go back to thinking rightly into the Word of God. I had a good friend that at two in the morning, she would wake up. She had five children. Her husband was just in prison for some embezzlement. She's raising her kids by herself. Mm. And in the morning, she'd wake up at two and she was so filled with anxiety. She'd pick up her phone call her sister and there was just silence on the phone yeah and she would just cry and her sister would say i'm here for you amen i'm here for you and then her sister would pray for her and then she'd go back to sleep yeah but she said for a year that's the only thing i could do was to call my sister and cry Mm -hmm. and she said that was some of the greatest ministry she'd ever experienced amen it's that ministry of presence being there and you don't even have you don't have to have a psychology degree to do that do you Thank Dave and Ann Wilson and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as power to change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Interesting in mentoring a younger couple or being mentored yourself? Check out Power to Change's mentoring initiative designed to help you avoid those pitfalls we all can fall into. Email radio at powertochange.org.au or go to our website families.powertochange.org.au under the Helping Couples tab to get started today. Until tomorrow, God's blessings.